kind of opens up to. And before we get started tearing into it, I just wanted to, um, to welcome you guys. Um, some of you guys have never been here before on a Saturday night. Some of you guys uh, have dropped in for the first time. And um, we just want to tell you just a little bit about what we're about. Um, about a year and a half ago, we, we felt this um, strange desire to want to try to do something on Saturday nights that would, that would open the doors of a church to a group of people that um, maybe for various reasons didn't feel comfortable going to church on a Sunday morning. Um, we didn't really know what exactly that was going to bring with it or exactly what we were doing. We didn't have much of a plan, that's for sure. But one of the things that we believe in and, and believed in then was the power of God's presence. We believe that, that what people need more than anything else in this world is, is not a job. It's not a, a perfect relationship. It's not to be famous or anything else. It's really to know how to connect with God. And for those of us that have, have been involved in church for any length of time, it's something that a lot of us take for granted, to know how to connect with God, to know that when life gets hard and when things pile up and when things go crazy, that you know how to respond and you know what to do in those moments. And we began to become very aware that there was a large group of people in our lives and around this world that they didn't know how to respond to life, they didn't know how to respond when things got crazy and they didn't know where to go. And, um, and so that's what we do here on Saturday nights. We open the doors to whoever needs to come. And it's a different group every week. We, we really don't have a, a congregation of people in the truest sense of the word. If you come back here next Saturday, you're going to see different faces and different people. And sometimes the crowds are big and sometimes they're very small. And what we do is we just open ourselves up because we believe that that one person walking down the road or driving through the city may need something. And this is a place that they can find what they need, whatever that, whatever that looks like. But our heart on a bigger capacity is to reach out to the body of Christ. We find ourselves a part of a picture that's so big that nobody here can really see it clearly. And that picture is a picture of a story, the story of God. And God's been telling the story for a long time. And the story includes, in Lodi, I at last count, almost 80 different churches. There are brothers and sisters, and we all believe in this great amazing story of Jesus coming to a world that's full of darkness and needs its light so badly. And so our heart and our passion is to try to bring people together that all have that same story inside of them so that as we tell the story, it'll get more and more complete and more and more full. And so that those that hear the story will be able to understand it with a little bit more understanding and clarity. And, and so our passion is to love people, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. If you're uh, an atheist or, or somebody that's seeking God, you're, you're welcome here tonight. And we hope that at some point something will be said or some song will be sung that will cause you to feel something maybe you've never felt before anywhere else in society. And, um, and so we just want you guys to feel welcome here tonight. And so in the last month or so, we've been talking about this place where you and I live in this moment of time. We live in a really, really crazy time right now. The Bible says that a couple thousand years ago, Jesus came and he came to this earth and started a revolution. Before Jesus came, the culture and the society that, that most people were familiar with didn't understand God. 
They knew a lot of things about God, and they knew a lot of things that they had been told uh, um, about God in a way that was very disconnected and very far off, but they didn't have the ability to talk to God face to face, heart to heart, person to person. And as a result, this world was in darkness, and it needed something very, very desperately. And the Bible says that Jesus came, and when he came, as that little baby born in a manger, he started something. He started a chain of events. He started a, a process that began to ultimately change the world as we know it. The Bible says that he came, and when he came, it was this anointed arrival of the Messiah, the one that had been prophesied about for ages. And when he came, he started a chain reaction of seeing light spread throughout the darkness. We know that when Jesus came, there were many things that he wanted to see happen, but not everything was accomplished upon his arrival. Much like a president, when he's elected into office, has a term that he has to complete his agenda, Jesus had an agenda, and he had a term that he was going to see come to pass. And he began this process of initiating into the world his church, followers of Jesus, ones that would carry the message, ones that would carry the very light of the gospel that he was teaching. And Jesus began this term, if you will, of this time period where things started to change and where the light started to invade the darkness and where life started to invade where previously there had been death. As we began to look at this amazing concept, we started to put things in its place and we realized is that this world that we live in is really not our home. We realized that, that according to scripture and according to the teachings of Jesus, that everything that this world has to offer, and this world has a lot to offer, it offers money, it offers fame, it offers security, it offers all of these satisfy, satisfying things that we all are naturally curious and drawn to. This world has a lot to offer, but Jesus came and he said, this world is, it's not our home. Matter of fact, he began to tell his followers that, that you're more like strangers in a strange place. You're more like sojourners or, or travelers or foreigners. You're just passing through. You're just going from point A to point B. And don't get too comfortable along the way because this is not your permanent home. But how all of us inside long for a permanent home. None of us are happy living in a temporary state of being. None of us are happy living in a place that's always changing. We see it in our relationships. We see it in our jobs. We see it in everything around us, even our health. It never stays the same. As much as we try to stay in shape and eat right and everything, what happens to us no matter what? We're always changing. There's something always changing. And we long for that state of being permanent. Last week, we dove into this concept of understanding God and understanding that without God, we are really homeless. We heard a beautiful song from Jeff that illustrated this concept of, of being in a place to where you feel like you don't really have a home, a place that you can really call your own. And we started talking about this great quote from C.S. Lewis that he said, if I have a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, then the explanation is, I was made for another world. We're not from here. This isn't where we belong. And last week we learned that Jesus promised that he went to prepare our real home. That he 
had a plan and that he has something that is going to bring about a change of everything that you and I see. Jesus promised that someday he would return again. He would come back and he would fulfill the term, the period of time that he started. But you and I right now, we live in between these two points in time. We live in between the time of Jesus' coming and the time when Jesus will return. And in the midst of this period of time that we live in, all kinds of craziness is going on. All kinds of things are happening. I want to read to you a scripture in the book of Second Peter. In chapter 3, it says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following after their own desires. They will say, What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people may think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. You guys ever heard somebody say the phrase, Oh man, nothing's ever going to change. Nothing will ever change in my life. No matter what I do, Things are always going to be as they are right now. Sometimes we get stuck in this thinking that what we currently see is really all that there is. And in this passage right here, we hear some very familiar sayings that people will throw out there, such as, oh yeah, Jesus supposedly is coming back again, but People have been saying that since the beginning of time. It doesn't really affect my life here today. It doesn't really mean anything to me right here where I live. And in this scripture, the author says, there's two perspectives in everything. He says one person may scoff and say, oh yeah, Jesus, he's coming back someday. Sure, I'll, I'll believe that when I see that. But he says, but on the other side of this perspective, you've got to understand is that God has a plan and he's being patient because God's heart is to know you. God's heart is to rescue you. God's heart is to bring you to himself and he will do everything that he can to get as many people close to him as he can. And so you may scoff and say, oh, the day will never come. But God is on the, si on the other side saying, I'm pushing back that day as long as I can so that I can get more, so that I can know more, so that I can have a relationship with more. There's two perspectives in everything in our life. There's two ways of seeing everything. In this, there's a, a faithless way of seeing it, and there's also a faith way of seeing what we, what we see. But in this place that you and I live sometimes, it's, it's really hard to see the picture clearly. Living in between these two points in time. I have right here a picture for you to look at. Some of you have been staring at this thing and trying to 
navigate its shape and, and you see a lot of darkness on the picture and you try to, you try to understand what exactly it is. It's a, it's a photograph negative. It's a giant picture, but it's the negative of the photograph. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And then it says this really important thing. It says, right now, we see things imperfectly. It's like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But someday, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and it's incomplete. But someday I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. These three things, they will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these things is love. Paul talks in this passage of Scripture about this idea of not being able to see things clearly. Of not being able to really be able to, to, to see the detail and, the, and the, focus, the focus of something. He says it's like looking in a mirror that's dimly lit. Or he says it's like looking at a glass that's got fluid in it. You can't really make out what you're looking at completely. You can see shapes and you can see shadows, but you can't really see what exactly it is that you're supposed to be looking at. You and I sometimes look at our world and our life And we have those same questions of, God, what do I really see right now? I see a lot of darkness like in this this negative. I see a lot of dark things in my life that I can't seem to understand what I'm supposed to do with it. I've got relationships that are always in distress. No matter how much I invest myself in it, something always goes sideways on me and I'm never able to completely get it where I think it needs to be. And there's, it's murky, it's dark, I can't seem to see it right. I just can't understand what I'm looking at. The details, they evade me. And sometimes you and I in our life want so badly to be able to see the details of the photograph and of the picture, but we don't understand that in order for us to be able to see the details, there's a process of things having to be developed. See, if you and I were to take an old school photo uh, camera right now, not the new ones, everything's totally digital. I can just like click, take a picture of you and throw it away right now. But think back with me a few years. If you and I were to take a picture and we were to imprint that picture on the right paper, We would have to go through a process of being able to see it, right? We would have to go into a dark room. We would have to mix the chemicals. We'd have to have it in a room that had a very distinct kind of light. It had to be very dark. It had to be very perfect for us to be able to develop the photograph. And we'd pull it out and we'd hang it and let it dry. And we'd have all of these things that had to happen in order for us to just be able to see And I don't know if you ever had photography class in high school, but it's so frustrating when you take all these perfect photos and then you go into the lab and you go to to develop them and they come out totally black or totally white or totally just not what you thought it was going to be. And the process messed everything up. Many times in our life, we can't see what we're really dealing with. 
And we can't really see the details of the photograph because we haven't let it develop yet. And if I were to look into each one of your lives right now and I were to lay out on the table all the ingredients of your life and I were to say, okay, here's this and here's this, here's this and here this, everybody would think they understood what they were looking at. Everybody would have an idea of what they thought they saw. But my friends, until we allow the process of things being developed, we can't see what's really happening in our life because our life's details come from the negative. Our life's details come from that negative that hurts sometimes so bad. It hurts sometimes going through that process. It hurts sometimes going through the dark room of our world. You know, there's a, there's a story in the book of John. I'll just briefly tell it to you. It's actually the last words of Jesus' life. We've, we've, we've chronicled the story of Jesus coming to the end of his journey here on, on the earth. And we, we chronicled the story of him having to go to this executioner's process of being on the cross. And he gets to the end of this excruciating process and he utters these final words that are familiar to us that, that have a, an understanding of the gospel. But he says these words, he says, it is finished. And the Bible says that he released his spirit. He let it go. And he breathed his last breath. What many of us don't realize is that when Jesus said those words, it is finished, it affected you and me forever. See, this point of time that you and I live in had everything to do with the process of something being developed so that you and I could see today clearly. If you and I had gone back in time and we were standing around the base of the cross when Jesus was up there and he was, he was dripping with blood and we as his followers were trying to see clearly what exactly was happening in front of us, you can read the accounts of his followers. They were distraught. They were faithless. They were worried. They were completely beside themselves because they were looking at a picture that they couldn't understand. They were looking at a picture that for all they could, they could make out, it was completely full of darkness. It was completely in a place to where they were just saying, this cannot be what our whole journey has led us to. This can't be what it's about. And yet when Jesus said the words, it is finished, he was bringing to light the clarity of the photograph. He was bringing to light what you and I now can see so beautifully. The story of the cross, the story of the Christ, the story of the one who came from God to bring God to us in a way that we could relate to him, in a way that we could understand him, in a way that we could connect with him forever. And in Romans chapter 8, we read one of the most powerful passages. It says, what shall we say about what such wonderful things as these. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? 
no one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. But no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who love us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. The love of God. Many of you right now, I know because we have relationships. I know many of you right now feel separated from the love of God. Some of you right now are having a hard time figuring out how God can love me when my world looks like this. Some of you are having a hard time being able to figure out how can I believe the things that Scripture says or the things that I see in other people's lives when my world and the picture of my world looks so dark and I can't even make out where I'm going or what I'm doing. And much like this negative, we look at our world and we think, I can't understand even what I'm looking at, let alone what's being developed into something that has detail and something that has the face of God for us to be able to connect with, for us to be able to understand. See, our perspective is so jacked up sometimes because the things that we fix our eyes on, the things that we look on sometimes haven't been developed yet and they don't show the completeness of what God wants us to see. And you say, well, how am I supposed to see past the darkness? How am I supposed to see what is really going on? The Bible says that there's two things that you can use to look through. You can either look through these eyes that every single one of us has, and you can look at the contents of your life today, and you can look at it and you can say, you know what, there's not much there. Or you can look through the eyes of your heart. The Bible says that the eyes of the heart, they see things through faith. They see things that sometimes don't even exist yet, but they understand the promise of what God has said, and they understand the promise of the detail that God has for your life. And the eyes of your heart know that in order to see clearly, you've got to be developed. And so what do you see today in your life? Do you see the negative? Or do you see the beauty of the picture that you're looking at? What do you see when you look at your past? When you look at everything that your life has accumulated to now, and you say, okay, well, there's not much there. There's not much there that I can work with. There's not much there that God can work with. And God's like, I'm not done developing the picture yet. 
I'm not done doing my thing. I'm not done in the process. Let me do what I've started because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can take us away from what God has for us. I'm going to ask Ricky and the guys to come back up. And we're going to take a few moments in our service to reflect on God and to connect with Him. Every week we take a few moments at the end of our time together to be able to clearly say a few things that need to be said. And these things that need to be said, they need to be said often. And so we say them every week. The things that we need to say is, God, there's only one thing in my life that is most important to me. And that is you. And one of the ways that we connect with God is through coming to the Lord's table. Just coming to these stations that we have set up where we have bread and juice. See, a long time ago, Jesus had a moment in his life where he was getting ready to leave the world. And he sat down with his friends and he had a meal with them. And he said, this meal that we share right here, right now, needs to continue. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have family traditions in your, in your family and the way that you do certain things, but I know a lot of families, especially at the holidays, where they have a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or an Easter meal where they get the family together and they have a tradition. And sometimes those traditions are all over the map on what they do, but there's a regularity to them coming together as a family and connecting and touching and saying, okay, right now for this moment, this is about this. That's what we do. And that's what we do right here in this time. We say to God that God right now, everything else falls aside, but this right here is about this. And so God, I'm going to spend some time realigning myself with that. If you've never opened your heart up to God, if you've never had a relationship that you can formally say, I know God. I know when he hears me. I know when I hear him. I know that when I pray, I'm not just talking to a wall, but it goes somewhere. You can have that tonight. You can open your heart up to God tonight. And when you come to this table here, this can be your first act of faith. Scripture says that God came because we needed a, we needed a Savior to forgive us from the sin that we all feel the weight of. He wants to forgive us and wash us. And when we come to this table with worship and with focus and give ourselves back to him, we sense that renewed forgiveness and washing over and over and over again. And I don't know about you, but I need that constant washing in my life to know that I can connect with God and that there's nothing between us. If you're here tonight and you have questions or you would like somebody to talk to, we'd love to pray with you. We would love to be able to meet with you, have some coffee afterwards and hear your story and connect with you in a way that would let you understand how valuable you are, not just to us, but to God. But you need to know that you're not here by an accident tonight. You're here because God wants to talk to your heart. And we would love to be a part of that process. Would you pray with me?